It is seven minutes after 11 o'clock, and as is the case on Tuesdays, Jennifer Bukowski is with us, criminal defense attorney. Uh, and uh, she keeps her finger on the zeitgeist, uh, whatever's going on out there, and comes on board to chat with us, including a story about a, a car being dredged um, from uh, Lake of the Ozarks, I guess. What, what, what's going on here? Yeah, Gary, this is the second week in a row. I think I've got, like, a car with a body in it being found in a pond of some sort or a lake. But it comes with the Daily Mail, but it's right near here in the Ozarks. Um, a car dredged from a pond. It belongs to the missing one-legged Ozarks man, Donald Irwin, who vanished in 2013 after leaving home to buy cigarettes. I guess his family enlisted the help of some podcasters, a true crime podcasters from beyond the case to try to learn what happened to Irwin. That led to them getting these Echo Divers drone cameras involved, and they were able to do a search and, and spot this car being in a nearby pond after this guy vanished without a trace in December of 2013. So now they have his body in his car and I'm sure they can do an investigation to see whether it's foul play or what exactly happened but after 10 years of being missing this guy has been found wow um, isn't that interesting local local case you're reading about in uh, the UK Daily Mail but there's true crime podcasters that are really really popular with a lot of people and well, I guess every once in a while they can crack a case they've cracked other cases as well well, you watch TV shows like uh, uh, 24 Hours or uh, Dateline, and they cover these uh, these these murder stories and murder mysteries. And, uh, you know, it, it, clearly it's entertainment. Clearly people are, are uh, paying attention to them. So be the next step with the, the advance of the Internet that, you know, these sleuths would solve crimes. And I've seen other stories where they have. So... Kind of fun just to know that, you know, if you reach enough people, you just might solve a crime. Help the yeah. police. Now, there's been, there have been no arrests, and his remains are unaccounted for, though. So they found the car, but not him. Yeah. Ooh. So what happened to his body within the car? Yeah, that's... That is strange. Now you got a crime. Yeah. At least I think so. But no, no arrests, and the neighbors were, or the nearby property owners were cooperative and allowed the, for the search. That is interesting. So can that, uh, a body completely in 10 years be, um, I guess. Well, I think the bones would be there. Still underwater? Yeah, I think Maybe. so. I think so, yeah. Uh, all right, let's move on because we got a lot of other ground. Madison Cawthorn. So that looks like someone, he's gone and someone hit his car. That's what that's sounding like to me then, right? He, well, he, he, somebody separated him from his car uh, and and uh, buried the car, so I put it underwater. I don't understand all the details, but it is interesting that uh, with the help of the Internet, they even found the car. Yeah, because you see so many of these cases where you know that something happened to the woman because of her purse and, you know, her, her car is found here and her purse and her keys or whatever are wherever. But if a guy and his car are missing, it's 
going to be much less likely to lead to a search uh, quickly. Interesting, interesting. case. Yes. Uh, another interesting case. And how would you like to be the parents or family of this guy who is making gay porn in the Capitol? Can you imagine? Oh, my gosh. How, how would you go home to your family after you embarrassed yourself like that? Yeah. That guy is having a bad day. <laughs> like... Uh, and with good cause. It, it's uh, interesting. I would not like to be him, that's for sure, because he has just torched his career. That's going to be the first thing that anyone thinks of when they talk about him. You know, he's probably better off just leaving Washington, D.C. to places where no one has really knows him or has heard of this or cares, because, like, that will be the first thing that people say about you if uh, you do try to continue on with any sort of career in D.C., that you were having gay sex and recording it on camera in a Senate hearing room where they've confirmed Supreme Court judges. Yeah, I, but, I don't care what he does. If he wants to do that and film it, that's his business. But not in the damned Capitol. And that's just stupid. And disrespectful. The abuse of your privileges, he was fired. Uh, I think that is completely appropriate to be fired. But he's playing the victim like he's being, it's homophobia or shame. No, you're wearing creepy outfits and filming yourself in those having sex. That's in the Senate room, you know, which is a place that should be treated with more respect, even though jokes have been made about people getting screwed over in D.C. all the time. So maybe it's not that out of uh, place, but <laughs> yeah. Uh, Matt Walsh points out in this piece, Madison Cawthorn, remember that guy? He was the youngest person ever to be elected to Congress. He was in a wheelchair. He had come out and said that there were things like this happening in D.C. and cocaine and other things, and uh, that he had been invited to an orgy in Washington and had personally seen leaders in the efforts to curb drug addiction doing cocaine. And uh, people in that, uh, this upset House Republicans who challenged him and implied that he was lying. And then a smear campaign began against him. And it's uh, interesting now seeing this incident Wondering, you know, what was Cawthorn talking about? Are they having orgies and are they all doing cocaine? Like, what we've seen cocaine in the White House. So there's certainly a kind of hedonistic element of the culture happening in D.C., I think. That's just bizarre. And it has nothing to do with being gay. Uh, you, you wouldn't want someone doing that, uh, having heterosexual sex uh, in the Senate. Yeah. I mean, it's just... Dressed up in a bunch of leather outfits. and Yeah, that's just completely disrespectful. And I hope they sprayed that room down with all kinds of antibacterial stuff. Uh, it's like, ooh, who wants to sit in that chair next? All right. Yeah, uh, okay. <laughs> um, moving on, uh, let's, uh, let's get into this uh, diversity and inclusion uh, that uh, most conservatives and most people with common sense think is ridiculous. Uh, apparently, uh, conservatives are, are driving it back. Is that is that true? Well, it looks like it, Gary. And I've been catching wind of this because I'm in leadership at the Federalist Society, and this has been brought up. It's illegal. Some of these companies' policies for diversity, equity, and inclusion are illegal because they discriminate based on 
race for hiring purposes. And I guess enough noise or threatened lawsuits have been made about it that some places like J.P. Morgan Chase have revised their corporate diversity programs to not just be saying, well, we want to hire more minorities and that they're going to have preferential hiring of minorities over other candidates because that's illegal because you're discriminating against other potential workers on the basis of race. And so I think, you know, more attention has been brought to this. Elon Musk has been saying DEI must die. Barry Weiss is on the war path about this because it like, seems to be connected with the anti-Semitism. That's another uh, that's another topic altogether, but 19 different companies have re- received shareholder letters about the legality of the firm's DEI initiatives um, from conservative groups threatening, you know, suit. And some of them, like J.P. Morgan, uh, it, in May of 2022, received a letter that alleged 10 of its DEI, 10 of its DEI programs, how many do they have, were discriminatory and illegal. And so... Uh, Around February 2023, descriptions of the banks advancing Hispanics and Latinos and advancing Black Pathways programs were changed, according to archived versions of the company's website reviewed by Reuters. So those programs now invite applications from students regardless of background, and they say they remain fully committed to an inclusive workforce made up of top talent. So I guess they still have those programs, but uh, they've changed the wording on them to make it not as overt that uh, only Hispanics or whatever will be. Con- I don't know why you would have that program, but I guess they're spooked enough, Gary. That's the broader message here. They're spooked enough to start changing some of their policies, and that's what's going to happen. And I'm glad to see a success and some some progress being made in this uh, because it hurts the people that get hired under these programs because it's assumed they wouldn't have been hired otherwise, you know? in a lot of cases. And so lawsuits, sometimes lawyers are the solution. Start suing. Uh, one of the groups that I've been following is America First Legal, which is led by Stephen Miller, a former advisor to President Trump. And uh, it's an interesting thing. The other thing that I've seen recently, and I didn't send you an article on this, but uh, I've got a friend involved in a suit like this. They're suing uh, in Phoenix, they got successfully got rid of a homeless camp by saying it was creating a public nuisance, and that got the court to order the city to get rid of the camp much quicker than it would have otherwise, and they're going to take that on the road and potentially bring that legal strategy to other places where there are homeless encampments causing public nuisances and that they're poisoning the water and endangering you know, the public and see if that could be used as a tool. So. I like it when you see people being creative and using different tools in their toolbox to affect things like this. All right. We often look for great TV shows, and you apparently have found one that you like a lot. Uh, we'll, we'll chat about uh, what TV show people should be it's looking for. It's royal, Gary. It's a little royal. Close? You said I had no royal loot news. Well, this is close. Day, Carleen. Did and you just say close. royals? Yeah. Wow. The crown. All right. Quick break. Gary Nolan, Zimmer Radio Network. It's uh, 11.22, and Jennifer Bukowski is with us. And uh, we often are looking for great uh, forms of entertainment on TV because a lot of these TV shows have gone far to the left, and they have these subliminal messages in them, uh, or they're just not particularly entertaining. Uh, So uh, Jennifer and I have, for uh, several years, uh, you know, given out hints about uh, new and better TV shows. 
and you got hooked on a TV show and binge watched on Netflix? Well, I put this in here and I made sure to binge watch this show for you. It's the final season of Netflix The Crown, which follows the life of Queen Elizabeth. This is the sixth season run. The final episodes of that came out uh, after seven years. This uh, has this series has been brought to a close. I've watched this series. I've watched some of the seasons a couple of times because they're really interesting to revisit history and see it through like the eyes of well, what's the queen doing and what's her outlook and different court dramas that take place, but also like their palaces. I mean, she lived such a remarkable life, Gary, from starting out as a World War II mechanic until dying, what, last year? And um, anyways, the final few episodes dropped over the weekend for the show, and it starts in 1997 when, you know, Diana's dead, but now Prince William's a heartthrob and, like, getting all of this screaming attention, even though he doesn't, like, bask in it like his mother did, but he looks like his mother, um, and all these women are after him, and, uh, but then it goes through the Kosovo War, you know, uh, Tony Blair is the most popular prime minister, uh, in British history and whether or not the Queen actually felt threatened by that. I mean, this is a fictional show, but that's kind of the angle of that episode. Then it goes back to, you know, um, Prince William meeting Kate Middleton at university. And uh, I don't want to do too many spoilers, uh, but I mean, everyone knows that they end up married. But it does flashbacks <laughs> to uh, VE Day when Queen Elizabeth is very young. It revisits Dodie Fayed's father, who died. That's the guy that died with Prince Diane in the crash. He somehow got them to do a whole big investigation because he had billions of dollars to try to show that it was a murder and it claimed that Diana was pregnant. So it, it goes into that. And uh, it ends with, uh, it's just an interesting ending to an interesting series. Uh, so that's my royal news that I've watched that show about the royals. But uh, we'll see if there's any reaction. I know that the royal family does indeed watch it. And I'll tell you what, it's not too friendly towards Harry, Prince Harry, this show. It's not particularly flattering about him at all. Well, my uh, the show that I've been watching this season, the new one, is uh, Lawman Bass Reeves. Uh, if you haven't seen it, uh, you might want to find it. It was just, it was another uh, well-done uh, show from the uh, producer of Yellowstone. Uh, it, it's a, a black uh, a sheriff, a federal marshal, rather, and uh, it is just, uh, you know, it's post-Civil War. And it's just... Yeah, a, I, I've heard good things. Is that by the producers of Yellowstone? Were you listening? I just, that's what I said. Yes, absolutely. yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and, and it's well done. I, I, I've enjoyed it. Uh, and then um, what is that uh, uh, spinoff show? I uh, can't think of the name of the guy. It's from... Um, he, he, he's a psychiatrist. It's a comedy. Uh, it started off in Boston and then he oh, moved... Yeah, Frazier. Frazier. Frazier's back. He's back. <laughs> And but it, that one annoys me because he's at Harvard. They're just so full of themselves. And my opinion on Harvard has changed since that show first came about. Well, I think you'd find it amusing if you watched the show. I, I actually had quite, you know concerns at first. And then I thought, 
no, this is this is actually pretty good. It sort of surprised me. Well, I've got one, and now that we're talking TV, it's got several seasons out that I've been watching, and I just love this show. It's The first couple episodes are a little slow, but then some of these episodes have been the most incredible episodes I've seen in a TV show since probably Game of Thrones, but it's called For All Mankind, and it's an alternate history on Apple TV where the Soviets beat us to the moon, and so the space race rivalry is extended and that has ramifications on society, sometimes for the good. And, uh, you know, more space exploration and discoveries, more uh, like the Russians put a woman on the moon. So then NASA's like, well, we have to put women on the moon. So that kind of speeds up the timeline of women um, involved with uh, NASA and uh, in the world at large. And it's just a really interesting take on an alternate history. And it makes me wonder... We are now in a rivalry with China, but, you know, sometimes rivalries result in, you know, people putting their nose to the grindstone and coming up with excellent results. And we kind of rested on our laurels until China's suddenly, you know, uh, you know, encroaching on our territory as the world superpower. And we have two superpowers now. I wonder if that rivalry will result in any good things, any silver linings uh, with China, like kind of. Uh, us landing on the moon was the result of the rivalry with Russia for the USSR. There, there is another special on the uh, the supersonic transport, um, the one that uh, they developed in Europe that uh, they've discontinued. It crashed uh, in France. Um, was it just called the SST? I can't remember what, what it was called. But they, they've... Uh, apparently, uh, the Russians, the Americans, and the French and the British... We're all racing to create, and this goes back to the 1960s, uh, a jetliner that was uh, supersonic. Huh. And uh, it's a fascinating story. I'm waiting for part two to come out, uh, but you can get that on YouTube TV if you go look for it. So there you go. Some ideas and things that you can watch uh, from Jennifer Bukowski and me. Jennifer, thank you. I wish you a very Merry Christmas. Sadly, we didn't get to see you on Saturday, but you had other obligations. Uh, but we'll catch you. We'll catch you again. Yep, I'll be back. <laughs> Merry <laughs> Christmas, everyone. All right, take care. Jennifer Bukowski on The Gary Nolan Show. Um, we keep hearing these uh, rosy scenarios from some people about the state of the economy, but I think they're missing something that's just starting to really come home to roost. And... If they don't take this stuff into consideration, I don't think they can accurately tell you where the economy is. I still think that we are not going to have that soft landing, that things are going to suddenly change and go in the other direction. One of the things um, that uh, make me think that uh, are automobile loans and the delinquencies uh, that are becoming problematic. Uh, there are some other signs in the economy as well. But here's a big sign, a big warning sign flashing, beware, this economy is going to be in trouble. I'll tell you what that is in just a few minutes, 1135 on The Gary Nolan Show on the Zimmer Radio Network. This is The Gary Nolan Show.
It is 11.35. Glad to have you with us. Uh, response to Eric, who sent me a message. Uh, uh, Gary enjoying the show, not trying to pick an argument. Uh, Eric, I did do that, and I did it for years. Um, so uh, I'm not just uh, not just uh, preaching. I did it. Uh, and it, uh, it, it, was, uh, it was a tough fight. Uh, and it, uh, at the end... I'm glad I did what I did. All right, uh, let's move on. That's uh, for Eric and uh, his message to moi. Um, the economy, I guess, uh, boy, I think I guess that's where I'm going to start. Uh, we keep hearing, you know, and we're looking at the stock market, and it's through the roof. It is going crazy. Everybody is saying, wow, uh, they're going to lower interest rates. We're through this. We're going to have a soft landing. But I keep reading about this incredible amount of credit card debt that we've managed to accumulate, uh, the highest ever, in excess of a trillion dollars. People will falsely tell you that inflation has gone down. It has not. It's going up. It may not be going up quite as fast as it was six months ago, but it is still going up, and it is going up at a greater rate than the Federal Reserve wants to see it go. Than the, uh, and so it's, it's not going down. It's, it's wrong to say it's going down. It's still going up. And that's a problem. Then, uh, and we told you the story about uh, automobile uh, uh, car loans. Apparently, there are some banks that are getting out of it. Uh, there's increasingly pro uh, problems with default, and more and more people are missing their payments. All of this indicates things are not as rosy as some might believe. Uh, then uh, this comes in from the Financial Times. Corporate bankruptcies are increasing at double-digit rates in most advanced economies as borrowing costs rise and governments unwind pandemic-era measures that support businesses worth trillions of dollars. They write that following a decade of decline, the numbers of U.S. corporate bankruptcies rose 30% in the first 12 months to September compared with a year ago uh, in the same period. Uh, Germany is, is, is suffering this as well. It's not just the United States. Higher interest rates along with the collapse of zombie companies that survived on COVID-era government support. In other words, that money that we shouldn't have been sending out allowed them to survive when, in fact, they should long since have gone under, have fueled the trend. Uh, the cost of the debt servicing, the rollback of pandemic support, uh, high energy bills, um, it, it, industries are suffering most from the increased insolvency rates, uh, included transportation hospita and hospitality. So it's not as rosy a picture as they're trying to tell you it is. And uh, then there's another story. It's in the New York Post. 2024 will be the biggest single crash year in our lifetimes. Economist warns, do not listen to your financial advisor. As the clock ticks closer to 2024, one outspoken economist is making a dire prediction. Since 2009, this has been 100% artificial, unprecedented money printing, and deficits, $27 trillion over 15 years to be exact. It's off the charts. 
100% artificial, and it means that we're in a dangerous state. This is Harry Dent. He was on Fox News Digital. I think 2024 is going to be the biggest single crash year we'll see in our lifetimes. I'm the guy that's praying for a crash while everyone else is not, he said. We need to get back down to normal, and we need to send a message to the central banks. This should be a lesson. I don't think we'll ever revisit. I don't think we'll ever see a bubble uh, for any of our lifetimes again. This and, and this goes back to when the Obamunist was in the White House, and I was saying that they shouldn't be bailing out General Motors. They shouldn't be bailing out Chrysler. Ford shouldn't be getting money either. Because all we're doing is delaying the inevitable, that this is going to be a problem down the road. I said it back then, and, and uh, Harry Dent is, is agreeing with me. Uh, recent rallies have overwhelmingly provided investors with mild recession expectations. Dent remained firm that an everything bubble will burst next year. Do what you will with the information. I'm just passing it along. But this mentality of we'll give everybody everything and make life utopia here in the United States and in Great Britain and France, because they all have that same mentality, it's going to destroy those economies. It's, it's unsustainable. When you have a recession, what normally happens is you purge the bad investments. Those companies go bankrupt. Someone buys their assets and says, I can do better with those assets. I can make them work. And they probably get those assets, uh, you know, at a, uh, at a rock bottom figure. And they turn the company around. Instead, what we've been doing is we have been giving them money, making them survive, allowing them to survive when they haven't changed their evil ways. They haven't changed their, you know, deals with the unions and all these other things. Eventually, it all falls apart. Um, this uh, Dent has spent the majority of his career analyzing proprietary research, um, credited his against-the-grain prediction uh, to overvalued markets and excessive stimulus spending. He's telling us, be careful, this bubble is going to burst. And I believe him. It, everything, everything that I see out there tells me we've got a problem coming. And the problem was created by the government. They are the reason we are in this position. Um, uh, let me go to the phones, 800-529-5572 or 874-9390. You can also go to GaryNolan.com, send me a message. Uh, we've got a, a Super Bowl, uh, well, it, it may be one of the dumbest things anybody's ever said, uh, but a, 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 an offer for a different type of Super Bowl game. Really stupid. Uh, let me go to the phones. Mike, good morning. So then are you... Your 401k, everything, are you putting it all, if you moved all your money into cash or precious metals, is, is what is that what you're thinking that 
get out of the stock market completely, get out of bonds completely, fix things I'm up. Not, I, am, I am not in a position to give anybody advice. That's uh, why I'm asking what you are doing. I have paid off uh, just about every debt that I have so okay, that I don't have to worry about that. Uh, okay. I've got very little in the stock market right now. Okay. All right. Everything else is... Basically, what you're talking about is timing the market, which is foolish. Well, you know, so... But, okay. uh, all right, well, it's good. All right, so you're in gold or, I mean... I, I'm not going to tell you what, what assets I have. Um, okay. But I, I, I have uh, tried to get rid of every bit of debt uh, that I have. Well, uh, everybody... Once they get in your 50s, I'm assuming in your 50s, I'm 55, we all should be pretty much out of debt at that point. That way we can live a good retirement in golden years. So, yeah, that's good. Everyone should get rid of debt no matter what, no matter what the economy is. If it's great, still be out of debt. You know, call it the Dave Ramsey way or whatever, but that's the smart way, you know, no debt. So, all right. Well, thank you. Appreciate it. All right, Mike. Thank you. Glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. Uh, he Dent says it might be the biggest crash of our lifetime. And I'm not alone, by the way. Um, we told you about the uh, Oracle of Omaha. What is he doing? He's, he's getting rid of all of his stock. Well, not all of his, but billions in stock and keeping, uh, keeping liquid. And it's his, uh, Buffett thinks that when this bubble bursts, He'll have the liquidity to go in and and buy up and and make a, a huge profit. So there are lots of indicators out there that you need to be careful. You need to watch out. That's it. I'm going to move on. Talk about a new kind of Super Bowl, and I'll do that in just a few minutes on the Gary Nolan Show, the Zimmer Radio Network. Hey, welcome. Glad to have you with us. Glad to be with you. It is uh, eleven fifty. Ten minutes to twelve. Um. Let me uh, let me do this. Uh, Brian is a, a, a real football fan. He's a, probably a bigger football fan than uh, than I am, uh, and and real excited because uh, your home team uh, that uh, that uh, Super Bowl championship team is well pretty remarkable, um, and and you'd like to see them go back and, and play again, wouldn't you? I would. Yeah, I don't think this is the year for that, but. Uh... I mean, if it happens, it happens. Yeah. Uh, well, there's a different type of Super Bowl game being proposed. And, and maybe you might want to go to that. I don't know. <laughs> Former Super Bowl champion Richard uh, Mendenhall. That's Richard. Richard. I'm, what did I say? Richard or Richard? Yeah. Um, he has an idea for a game. Uh, it would be um, an, uh, an all-black versus all-white Super Bowl. So the I'm annual sorry, Pro what? Bowl. Well, yeah, uh, he he thinks that the whites should play the blacks. Okay, it's like an ebony and ivory type bowl. Or? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um. Well, why would he think that? He said, "I'm sick of average white guys commenting on football." Oh man, I'm sorry. I did that right out of the gate. I apologize. I what was I thinking? I, you know, I'm, I watch Fox, uh, and, and they've got commentators, and they're black, and they're white, and uh, who knows whatever else. I've, I've got no idea where, why he thinks only white guys are talking about football. 
it's kind of silly if you ask me. Can we please replace the pro ball with an all-black versus all-white bowl so these cats can stop trying to teach me who's good at football? He said, I'm better than your goat. Uh, <laughs> if a white guy had suggested that, what, what do you think would happen? Yeah, he uh, would get media coverage for at least a week straight, uh, be branded a racist for the suggestion, and never be on the air again. Just demonized by yeah. society. Yeah. I'm In this just... case, it's fine, though. You know, Weird. Really weird. But I guess uh, if you're the right political party or the right race, you can say whatever you want. Everybody else, well, no, not so much. They, you know, you couldn't get away with that. Kevin Jackson could get away with that, but you, but you can't. How absolutely ignorant, how absolutely stupid. <sighs> we got a story out of uh, California. It shouldn't surprise any of us uh, about a... Uh, well, about big government uh, and what is, uh, I think, essentially going to destroy the lives of a couple of senior citizens. I'll get to that in a minute, but David on the uh, Super Bowl wants in. David, good morning. Yeah, pure entertainment. I, I tell you what, you know, people, I don't know, I guess you call it asinine uh, on their line thinking, you know, we've spent billions of dollars for desegregation, all that stuff. And nowadays, everybody wants to segregate again and go to tribal. I don't get it. You know, I thought we were the melting pot. But apparently, somebody wants to just dump the pot and start fresh. Yeah, it, it certainly is. Uh, it, it, it just it doesn't make any sense. It's so stupid. It no, just... if they, yeah, if they feel that way, then why don't they just go back? You know, the people that think like that, why don't they just go back? To their ancestral homes. I mean, if they feel that that bad about whites or any other race in this country, I remember when to their to the homeland. And I remember when people that? would protest because they were segregated and wanted desegregation. <laughs> and how many yeah, how many billions of dollars have we spent? I mean, I want reparations for my for all the de desegregation money. That's been wasted throughout since 1964. I want the reparation for my money, taxpayer money. Well, good luck with that. David, thank you very much. <laughs> thank you. All right, glad to have you on the Gary Nolan Show. Um, 874-9390, toll-free, 800-529-5572, or go to GaryNolan.com. You can send me a message. Um, welfare used by immigrants and the United and, and, and people that are born here. Uh, there is a report uh, based on newly released data on uh, who's using and what's using. And I, I've seriously thought that if you were going to change, the, I, I would get rid of the welfare thing altogether. Let me just start with that. I'll start with that premise. There would be no welfare. Uh, maybe you care a lot about people who are uh, unemployed or broke uh, and you want to donate to charity. That's fine. But you don't get to force me to. <clears throat> that just is that's just wrong. Uh, I might want to save the raisin and put my money there. That said, if you could fix 
the welfare system, at least to the point where you say anybody that comes into the United States to live, they and their progeny are not eligible for any government programs. I would, I would think that would make it much easier, much less expensive, to accept people who want to come into the United States. And I also think that anybody who comes here that isn't, a, you know, that's not a criminal, that's not a threat to society, that's just coming here for the economic opportunity, that is coming here to go to work, to find a job, to feed their family, I think we should let them in. I don't think we should be saying, oh, you, you have to be threatened by your government. We, don't, we shouldn't be saying your life would be at stake if you stayed in your country so you can come here. No. If you want to come here to work, we should welcome you with open arms. Because that added productivity is going to be great for the country in the long run. But at least see to it that the people coming here can't get on welfare. Now, they, the, the first generation, the people who actually come across the border illegally are not supposed to get welfare legally. But they have anchor babies and take advantage of other gov government programs. So just say, look, you want to keep welfare? Well, the first two generations, they don't get anything. That would save us a lot of trouble. You'd know that people wanted to work when they got here. And that would be good for all of us. On the uh, segregated football game, uh, Chris is on the line. Good morning, Chris. Yeah, I couldn't agree with the previous caller more about what happened here. How did we do a 180 on this? It's been really weird. I just wondered how many people noticed that little blip in the news in the last week of the black woman throwing gasoline on Martin Luther King's house trying to burn it down. Yeah, that was a couple of weeks catch? ago. We covered well, that. Well, I was saying a week ago, but, you know, it's one of those, what, and of course, she was dressed up like she's an Antifa person or whatever, but I find it interesting, you know, black lady tries to burn down Martin Luther King's house, two off-duty white cops from New York stop her. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. it's just, you talk about the world upside down. Boy, you're not kidding. All right, Chris, thank you for the call, buddy. Appreciate it. We got to run. Glenn Beck, Sean Hannity coming up. Whatever it is in life that you want, go out and get it. Don't wait for the government to drop it in your lap. You make it happen. You seize the day. Carpe diem. And Gwen, baby, honey, I'm coming home.